Welcome to Pardon the Intermission, a podcast that takes a look at movies, TV, and all things entertainment from the past, the present, and the future. Remember to subscribe and like the podcast and give a review. This helps out the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Now on to the show. Yes, hey everyone, welcome to Pardon the Intermission. I am Eric. And I am Jason. I hope you're all doing great out there. We've got a yep. great show for you today. Oh, yeah. Before we get started, though, yes. uh, remember to check us out on our social media, at, at. X. Uh, it's at, or, okay, check on us out. X. At X, on X. <laughs> X. At PTI underscore podcast. Yes, I'll get there it. we go. I'll get it. You finally spit it out. Okay, I'll get it. And, and on Facebook at Pardon the Intermission. Yeah, we definitely appreciate yes. it. We're, we're starting we to really post. We really do. Yeah, we're, we're starting to post more and more and more. So it'd be yes. lovely to have your uh, your guys' yes. interaction with and, us. Yeah, somewhere. and for those of you who have offered uh, some comments about some of the stories I've already posted, which I saw this week about Oscar nominations, thank mm. you out there. I think, uh, George, I think you had uh, interacted with us, one of our listeners, George. So thank you for offering your opinions and your thoughts yeah thanks george yeah, that, we, that's great so definitely we appreciate it, it. yeah yeah and if you guys yeah we'll, we'll try to read some of the comments on the air and stuff as we get going here we will definitely uh, yeah. down the road uh, mm-hmm. during uh, more shows yeah hey we got some bad news starting off oh, uh, unfortunately boy. starting off today um yeah. we have a uh, uh just an icon hollywood iconic definitely. director one of the uh, best that passed away uh yeah. well you said on tuesday right was I it think, tuesday i think it was tuesday yeah tuesday yeah. of this week yeah. as we're recording this yeah. norman jewison mm-hmm. is uh passed away unfortunately he's no longer with us died yes. at 97 years old but actually 97s yeah. that's a long time i hope to, to live, get to 97 man, man. i hey, don't know i hope to get to 57 man. i'm 48 <laughs> right now oh no don't say that man <laughs> we got a lot of shows to do man you're right. come we on do. you're right we yeah. do. Okay, I'm not going to jinx myself there. So, so uh, this guy was was actually involved in quite a few uh, big time movies. Uh, yes, over his career. What, what did he have here, Jason? Yeah. Well, I mean, his resume is, speaks for itself. He was uh, Oscar nominated director multiple times. He. Did, I, I don't think he ever won, right? But he did get like a uh, an honor. What do they call that? An honorary Oscar. Honorary Oscar, right? Yeah, Yeah, an honorary Oscar for uh, being a director. And I mean, some of his movies, you're just going to know when I mention them. Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, yeah. Not not the stage version with uh, with, uh, with Zero Mostel, but I'm talking about the film one with Topol. And Topol was also in one of the stage adaptations, too. He made that transition over to uh, Teve and the film version of Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. Norman Jewison also directed uh, one of my favorite classic films of all time, In the Heat of the Night, starring the great Sidney Poitier and... uh, uh, Rod uh, Steiger. Now, if you guys remember um, that, that they did make a TV show out of that. They did. But at the time, uh, mm-hmm. this movie, I mean, it was, it was a, a, a big time racial drama. It back was then because it was very controversial. It, it was. Uh, you had Sidney Poitier uh, playing the uh, detective. Virgil Tibbs. Uh, Virgil Tibbs. Black uh, detective. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what's the name of the Steiger? Rod Steiger. Rod who played, Steiger played uh, the... Who played Sheriff... Um, he was uh, the, the Carol O'Connor character. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the sheriff, but he was kind of the uh, the old school type sheriff. I mean, that's the way it was set up. You know, right, kind exactly. Of this southern town. Yeah, and that, that movie came out in 1967, during the heart of the Civil Rights Movement, mm. where it took place in the Deep South. Virgil Tibbs, Sidney Poitier's uh, character, is sent down uh, to investigate a, uh, a homicide there in Mississippi, 
which of course was at the very heart of uh, the civil rights movement and Jim Crow during the during the 60s. Yeah. And this Eric, this movie was so great and so controversial that there were theaters in the South that would not show it because wow. the lead actor was black. Wow. And not only that, that but one, one of the most impactful moments in cinematic history in that movie came when Poitier's character is, is questioning a, a man about a homicide. Happens to be uh, an older white Southern gentleman, and he says something, and the white gentleman basically accuses him of being a liar, and then Poitier's character slaps him on the face. Oh, wow. A, a black man wow. slapping a white man on the face at that time. Yeah. So you can understand that. So Jewison directed that movie. He also did Moonstruck with uh, Cher and... Um, Nicholas Cage. Uh, and Nicholas Cage. It also uh, had uh, what was her name Olympia Dukakis Olymp- in it, and she won actually for yep. uh, a best. I think best supporting. Yep. I think Cher won right for for uh, a best actress. Cher won for best actress. Olympia Dukakis, I think, won for best supporting. That, actress that's the movie that catapulted uh, mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage into kind of the it limelight. Did. There, it did. He also directed uh, the Hurricane, starring Denzel Washington, which is based on the true life story of former boxer Ruben Hurricane Carter, mm. a heavyweight contender who was wrongfully imprisoned for killing a uh, New Jersey. State police officer, and uh, let's see. He, he also al- had Thomas Crown Affair, which had Steve McQueen and I think um, is it Faye Dunaway. Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that was her first uh, yeah. big role coming out too. It was, yeah. And and I, I I did watch the remake. Now the remake had Pierce Brosnan and I can't remember the actress Renee Russo. Renee Russo, that's right. But yeah. I do remember the original. It was pretty good. I mean, I liked it um, for sure. And yeah, you know, Steve McQueen. Come on, you yeah. can't go wrong. It was. But, uh, oh, he did the Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. yeah. Another one. Yeah. So, yeah, Jewison was really, uh, oh, he also did one another really good classic film, too, called The Cincinnati Kid with Steve McQueen, huh. uh, which is uh, McQueen plays kind of like a gambler slash hustler, a card player slash gambler in that movie, which is, uh, it's a really good, one of McQueen's best, an underrated film, mm. if you ask me. But, yeah, Jewison was really well known for uh, making movies that really spoke about the social landscape of the times and really uh reached out and talked about a lot of the unpopular unpopular topics at the time that were taboo to speak about, either because society deemed them unproper to talk about or because we were already embroiled in major hotbed topics at the time, like the civil rights movement. Yeah. And his movies were definitely story-laden. He didn't direct any of those big slam-bam action films, but his movies really dug down deep into personal relationships. They dug into social relationships, aspects of social relationships. And um, he, in addition to all of his Oscar nominations, um, he got that Irving Thalberg Memorial Award in 1999. Yeah, no, that one. For, now it says here, yeah, he. So he did. He he was. Uh, he received seven Oscar nominations, seven Oscar nominations but never won never a competitive won. Oscar. Yeah, but he did get that one. Um, yeah. Also, uh, let's see, what, what else was there? There was something else. Oh, he was also did a movie that I, that really didn't catch on. I, I got to watch this movie now, but it was called Fist. Okay. And it, I think it had Sylvester Stallone in it, and it was supposed to be a big drama. I think it was kind of like on the waterfront-esque, okay. but it was about the labor union. I think okay. about a guy who... Uh, was involved in the labor union. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't even know about this movie until I was reading this article about it. I thought, man, I kind of want to go watch that. You know, because I, yeah. I never really caught on. I don't know if it, it didn't do good just because maybe that topic wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it just wasn't received well at the right. time, the movie itself, or if it was one, if it was a bad movie. But Right, right. Uh, I can't see him making a bad movie. So, I mean, you I know, know. Yeah. it's like I kind of want to watch it. Um, it's funny. It says that he kind of started his career, you know, he did a lot of the Doris Day movies mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. 
day. Uh, that's kind mm. of how he kind of started, you know, okay. started with those kind of uh, light rom. rom- I, back light then you would rom-com. call them rom-coms. I mean, that, that was the term we use now. Dor- Doris but, Day and Rock Hudson, but right? Back day, yeah, yeah, back then they, they wouldn't say rom-com, but it was like those Romantic kinda, comedies. Yeah, there was described. kind of those lighthearted movies. You yeah, know, right, I mean, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, very interesting career. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting career. Very, uh, very highly praised among his uh, peers and among his. Uh, oh, the Russians are coming. The Russians are yeah, coming. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, with Alan Arkin, he uh, he yep. had that movie. Yep, that's right. So uh, yeah, he was just, and he was a director that really didn't stick to. I mean, he stuck to one particular genre where he did a lot of uh, mainstream, you know, a lot of drama films, but he explored a lot of different story aspects. And he did again, Eric. He did movies that were not only about controversial topics like the hurricane, for example, and like um, in the heat of the night. But he was not afraid to explore those angles and use his movies to talk about those or to broach those subjects Mm. in society. And I thought he did a wonderful job with his screenplays, with his uh, directors of photography, with his uh, cinematographers, with just the way he laid out a story was just really, really impressive to me. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I can, I can still remember watching in the heat of the night for the very first time when I was a young kid. And, uh, this was before I was even exposed to history involving, uh, you know, the civil rights movement and Jim Crow in our country. And, um, I didn't realize what a big deal that what that movie was at the time. Mm. But then when I started learning more about the civil rights movement and how big it was that not only a movie at that time starred a black man during the middle of the civil rights movement, but featured a scene with a black man slapping a white man, which at that time, if it happened in real life, uh, a black man would have literally been murdered for doing that. Yeah. And, I mean, well, so, I, I, there's definitely certain places in the country that yeah that they, oh mean, yeah you know, yeah I mean, absolutely yeah um, yeah yeah but i mean that that movie left an indelible well, mark on me and that sure. that was and and that was a golden time uh-huh. in in hollywood because i think you know in in this country you know sometimes I, I wonder if a lot of the problems we have now in this country are almost self-manufactured mm-hmm. um just for the sake of having a problem I hear you. Um, but hear you. but back then, I mean, these things, mm-hmm. the civil rights movement, that was huge. I mean, there was yeah. really an issue and there was a need. Mm-hmm. And and Hollywood took a lot of chances back then. Yeah. And it's and they, and they and they and they put out a lot of these uh, social commentaries for the time. And, and you know, I yeah. mean, these movies really meant something. And I don't think we'll ever, unfortunately, yeah. it's really sad. It seems like, you know, almost every show now, we're almost talking about, you know, losing a Hollywood icon. It's, mm-hmm. it's really sad. You know, yeah. uh, we're kind of losing that aspect of it. But, you know, yeah. um, oh, another thing that, uh, one thing I wanted to mention here, too. Uh, yeah, he did a dark comedy, said, uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Al Pacino mm-hmm. uh, and, and Justice for All. For all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he also produced, was it produced or did he direct? Oh, Rollerball. Rollerball. Yeah, yeah Rollerball. <laughs> like, he did yeah. Rollerball. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, yeah here it right. is. Sylvester Stallone, uh, he says... Uh, his attempt to get audiences to take Sylvester Stallone seriously in the 1978's Fist as a Jimmy Hoffa-style labor organizer mm-hmm. was doomed. So I, I guess maybe people just... I don't, I don't know if it was because of the casting of Sylvester Stallone. I think it might have been because of Rocky. Because Rocky came out a few years before Fist did. I think Rocky came out in 75 or 76. Now, I will say that if you, if you, <clears throat> so, see, if you see the title with Sylvester Stallone's name and you see Fist, Fist, you're thinking, is this a Rocky ripoff? I mean, you know, immediately I'm thinking it's a boxing movie or something. Well, right? and see, I would... I think it was bad uh, promotion there. Yeah, and so bad I mean... Bad marketing, maybe. He cast a 
Stallone coming off that popularity of Rocky. And so yeah. I, I would assume maybe at that time that because I was just a little kid when that movie came out. I was barely three when that came out. But I would assume mm. that uh, there I just dated myself, folks. <laughs> but um, I would assume that, you know, because he was on his high after winning an Oscar for Rocky, that maybe audiences just didn't clamor to that role because they still viewed him as Rocky the way we viewed Sean Connery as James Bond and Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, so that's just a theory, but, you know, it's plausible. You know, to go back to finish my thought, I mean, sorry. Uh, no, 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 you're, you're, you're fine. I'm just saying I, I got kind of got off the rails there for a minute. But, no, um, okay. yeah, what I was talking about as far as Hollywood and the golden age and kind of losing these guys, and it's really yeah. sad. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, now I kind of lost my thought. <laughs> lost I did the whole thought. recap, but I lost Do it. Do I have to pick you up? Oh, I was Golden Age say, of Hollywood. It, it, in 1967, um, In the Heat of the Night actually did win an Oscar for Best Picture. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, that was good. But yeah, it, it is sad that we're losing these guys. And, and it's and it's it's a time, I mean, it, it's a good thing that, that we mm-hmm. we gone through them. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hope we don't have to go back through them. I hope uh, you know, sometimes you wonder with the country what's going on. And maybe maybe we do need these kind of directors, new directors to come out yeah. of wherever, whether it's Hollywood or wherever they're going to come out of, though, but kind of a new set of directors to give us mm-hmm. a whole new, you know, social commentary as to what's going on now, you know, make people think and kind of rejuvenate that whole thing. Because well, these, these guys, just real quick, these guys being yeah. storytellers, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think we really understand how much they mean mm-hmm. uh, to us, you know, as far as a country, yeah. to our generations. I yeah. mean, it, it, you know, they really uh, they really set the stage for a, for uh, a lot of things. Anyway. Yeah. No, I agree with kind you. Kind of rambling, but go ahead. No, but it's good rambling. It's good rambling. <laughs> but no, I, I think you're absolutely right because every, every major director in Hollywood has been really representative of the era in which he or she has have uh, made movies. You know, I mean, we talk about Jewison's uh, impact on using his films to tell uh, stories that spoke volumes about the social and political impacts of the time. He's from that standpoint, he's no different than a director like William Friedkin, who used Mm -hmm. his movies to talk about some of the the social and uh, societal unrest of the 1970s. Um, he's no different than uh, a director like Sergio Leone, who used his spaghetti-style westerns to really amplify what life was really like in the Old West, and that mm. it wasn't as chivalrous and heroic as Howard Hawks and John Ford made it seem like. And he's also no different than uh, a director like, say, um, who else am I thinking about here? Um, I wish I could help you. I yeah, know. I wish you could help me too. Uh, he's no, oh, no different than... Uh, and really no different than a director like Jason Reitman, a modern day mm. director who has some of his stories have been as just as socially important. And they talk about important issues of our day. Like, for example, when uh, Reitman directed um, the movie Juno with uh, Ellen Page, oh, yeah, who later yeah, yeah. became Ellie Page, that movie was real popular because at the time it, you know, it dealt a lot about, uh, you know, teenage teenage pregnancy about teenage relationships teenage mothers single motherhood stuff like that so there are directors nowadays that are similar to Jewison in that they use their stories to talk about issues of our time but they just don't seem as relevant because they're a lot more controversial mm. if in a in a bad way Eric in a bad way let me, let me so, ask you this do you yeah. think the directors nowadays have um the same, or did you think there was a different type of uh, what they call it, car blanche? Is that be the correct term? You know, the kind of freedom to do what they need to do. Do you think it was they had more back then? Oh, absolutely. Or okay. absolutely. It seems to me too. It seems to me that absolutely. the studios definitely have more control yeah. over, even though it seems like it should be a freer time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
I, and, and I think yeah. it is with the with the impact that we talk about constantly with streaming, yeah, yeah. With, with 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 media. You know, mm-hmm. anybody can really make a movie these days mm-hmm. and put it out on YouTube. But yeah. I don't know, there's a lot of of areas, but you won't get the big studio backing. But as far as yeah. the studios themselves, even the new studios, Netflix, Amazon, yeah. uh, there seems to be a tight grip around these guys they just don't have the creative control mm-hmm. uh that they used to i don't know that, that i agree with you wholeheartedly because i think nowadays in this modern day and age that we live in movie studios are more beholden to the political movements of the time and more beholden to the money that comes into their studios from political contributions as well and vice versa they give a lot of money to political contributions during election season and so from that standpoint studio executives are more cognizant uh, basically trying to not rock the boat. Whereas back in Jewison's day, directors, I think, did have a lot more autonomy to tell the stories they wanted to tell with little interference from the studios because at the time, the studio execs were just regular businessmen, mm-hmm. okay? They didn't know how to make movies. You know, back back when the Samuel Goldwins and the Mayors and, uh, the, Louis, and the Louis B. Mayors passed away the people who ran the studios that knew how to make movies back in the when talkies first came around when those execs started passing away movie studios were bought out by and run by businessmen who had no idea how to make movies didn't even like the bottom line bottom line was money they didn't care if a movie told a political statement or not they didn't care who it offended they said hey if it's going to make money you have carte blanche to go ahead and tell whatever story you want but nowadays it's not like that because companies like Amazon Prime, companies like Netflix, they have big-time CEOs with big-time boards of directors who also have a lot of friends they rub noses with, major political action committees, Eric. Mm. So in other words, they are more afraid of today of offending the certain sides of the aisle that may be left or may be right or somewhere down the so middle. So you, you get like a... So so basically, yeah. from what you're saying, I can see you just get a, uh, mm-hmm. a kind of a straight line political view. There you go. Rather than, you know, yes. kind of having all these different views and then, yes. you know, and just kind of letting... Seeing where they go. You right. know what I mean? Just yeah, kinda, exactly. Like back in the 60s, you made a movie you, yeah. about like this topic. Yeah. Uh, uh, or another good one would be uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, Guess Who's Coming They're, to Dinner. Call me another Mr. Tibbs. I'm just going off of the Sydney. They call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah. going off of the Sydney. Uh, uh, um, Sydney uh, Poitier. The filmography here. But, yeah. but I mean, you know, those movies, you throw them out there. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. And people do with them what they will, yeah. right? But now it seems yeah. like, you know, you're, it's almost forced into a box. And it, it has it to does. stay on a certain track. And you, yeah. know, you can't go from any, like you're saying. Yeah, it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's too bad. I mean, it, it is. I, I hope, I don't know, you know, I, I do see, and like I said, you know, I think with streaming, I think mm-hmm. it does, it has its own challenges, but I think, yeah. too, it can also offer its own freedoms. Yeah. And like I've told you before, and I know we're kind of getting off, but uh, like I told you before, I think it's a great time for independent filmmakers to yeah. come forward and people, uh, because I think that's what people are hungry for, yeah. is the stories. Mm-hmm. Just like we talked about, uh, yeah. we went and watched The Shift, mm-hmm. and we did a mer- movie review, which you can check out on this podcast, you yep. can look back for, and... Uh, uh, you know, we really enjoyed it. I mean, that was made. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was that was basically an independent film, and and then uh, it's, you know, these guys are doing great work. Yeah. So so I think there is hope out there, but yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, we're losing these guys. Uh, we're losing that old. 
oh, it's well, just kind of like you lo- love to tap into that knowledge and we're, just, you know, just, oh, yeah. just, you we're know. losing the Norman Jewisons and the Billy Wilders and we're losing the Howard Hawks and we're losing the, uh, we know too, you know. these guys, these guys were, I, I, when I look at directors, like older directors, yeah. maybe it's just me, but when I kind of look at them, they, they were more of a well-rounded director. And what I mean by that is that it seemed like these guys knew all the facets of filmmaking for the yep. most part, yeah. you know, they knew cinema photography, they knew story yeah. writing, yeah. they knew directing, yeah. You know, they knew acting. They kind of had this all-encompassing, uh, yeah. uh, basically, knowledge to put the story, you know, to, to bring all those elements together and put the story forward. Yeah. Where sometimes I wonder if a lot of these guys today, if they're just hung up on the directing aspect and they really don't know a lot about the other aspects of filmmaking that they can't quite make it come together in a cohesive manner. Yeah, you know? I also think that they're, you know, they also have... An advantage, what they have a lot more technology at their disposal to make which their, may handicap them, which you may think? handicap them to an extent. But yeah. you know, they're also dealing with bigger film crews. They're also dealing mm. with more people uh, who are involved in influencing the film and how it's. So made. instead of so, actually being involved in the film, they're having to be more of a manager of the film. It feels like it, yeah, yeah because directors nowadays have, I mean. F- twice the workload of making a movie than what people like Norman Jewison did. Because when Norman Jewison mm. came about, he Good didn't point. have to worry about movies that, that were laden with special effects. He didn't have to worry about multi-billion dollar budgets and whether or not his movie was going to surpass that budget that was used to make it. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, going back to what again we said, Norman Jewison passed away this week, age 97. Norman, you're going to be missed. Thank you for your contributions to uh, movie fans and to the industry. Um, uh, you'll definitely be missed. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, moving on here, we have, uh, <laughs> guess what? The uh, Oscar 2024 nomination. 24 nominations were announced yeah. earlier this week. Yeah. List came out. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I'm, we, we'll probably hit a few of them here. We don't have, yeah. We're not going to go through all of them. Nah, but uh, what did list. What'd you think? Pretty much what I expected. <laughs> Well, uh, was I, was it like this? Yep. Yeah. Well, it was to an extent. I I I will say this. I don't. I mean, okay. We can get into the we can get into the the controversy about Barbie not being nominated enough. But uh, in regards to the main categories, best actor, best. Okay, let's go. Let's go through yeah. that real quick. Okay, best actor. Yeah. Okay, so for the nominees for best actor, go we have it. Bradley Cooper nominated for Maestro. Did you see that? I have not seen my show That yet. is a freaking great movie. I'm going to watch it this weekend. I will. I promise. I'm going to watch that it this is weekend. A, that is a great movie. Maybe we'll talk about it. Coleman, uh, Domingo, and Rustin. Haven't heard of that haven't movie. Haven't heard of it. Paul Giamatti and the Holdovers. We've we talked awesome. about that yeah. last last show. Uh, Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer. No surprise there. Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. Have haven't you seen, seen that one? Haven't seen that one either. Have you no. seen Oppenheimer? I haven't seen Oppenheimer. I haven't still. either. No. I, I you know it's like I want to watch it, but that three yeah. hour scares me. But here it goes. Yeah. As, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't know, I'm, but I do want to watch it. I, I, I heard about it. that movie. There's more nuclear reaction in the bed than there is in the bomb that was created. So, I mean, I heard make that of too. that what you will. Oh make of God. that what you will. Okay, okay so uh, let's see. Well, let's see. Breast performing. I don't know. I don't really see anything exciting here. Now, Ryan no. Gosling, and as far as for supporting uh, actor in a supporting role, right. Ryan Gosling is, uh, you know, they do say that that Robert Downey gives a great performance in, in Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah, I heard um, that too. Yeah, I don't know. Robert De Niro and Killers of a Flower Moon. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll watch that at some point. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, Ryan Gosling and Barbie, that mm-hmm. that's kind of a big one there. Yeah. Uh, going to the uh, uh, actress in a, in a leading role. Um, so we have Annette Benning and Nyad, uh, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hewler, Anatomy of a Fall, 
Carrie Mulligan and Maestro. That, that, yeah, she did a great performance. Okay, um, Emma Stone and Poor Things. But I will say that's the only one I've seen. Okay, and I haven't seen any of those films yeah. yet. Um, let's see. Uh, best. Um, we'll finish your best actress in a supporting role. We got Emily Blunt and Oppenheimer. Man, okay. Oppenheimer. Like you said, it's just Mine. the same. Yeah, uh, Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple. Purple. Mm-hmm. America Fiera and Barbie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of controversy with this. Mm-hmm. Jodie Foster in Nyad, and then uh, Divine, Divine Joy Jones. Randolph in the, the holdovers. holdovers. Yeah. Um, best. Let's see. Let's get to the. What's the best? Let's see. Where's the best feature film here? Where's the best film? I think you have to go down towards the bottom. Keep Is it on the bottom? We're yeah, scrolling, scrolling and scrolling. scrolling. Oh wait, I went too far. Um, Original screenplay, sound, visual effects. Oh wait, did we pass it? We might have. This is crazy. It was the best animated short. Keep going. Maybe there we go. Oh, best motion motion, motion picture. picture. Okay. There we wow, go. Wow, there's a lot of them here. <clears throat> okay, so we have American Fiction, uh, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, uh, Oppenheimer. We have Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. I would say I, I probably saw three of those. I saw The Holdovers, and mm-hmm. I saw yeah Barbie. Okay. Some of Barbie. I can't. I really can't say I watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw Maestro. Saw Maestro. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Eric, you so asked nothing me, exciting here, right? Yeah. I mean, you asked me what I thought about these nominations, and honestly, I'm not too excited about them. Uh, in fact, I can even tell you who's going to win uh, right now. I can tell make you. Make your predictions. I'll write it down. It's just chalk it up and give me fifty bucks for each prediction. Best motion picture of the year. Uh, is going to go to Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is going to win. Okay. Uh, best not, actor. Best actor is going to go to Killian Murphy. Oppenheimer. You think? Okay. Yep. Best supporting. Yep. Uh, best supporting actor. Emily Blunt. Oppenheimer. Okay. Best. Oh. Uh, well, that was actress. That, that, okay. Emily Blunt will win for best actress in Oppenheimer. Uh, best mm-hmm. actor supporting. Well, let's see. Uh, where is it? Uh, best supporting, yeah, supporting actor. Role. Okay. Best supporting actor. I'd say Ryan Gosling. Um, I'm going to say Ryan Gosling on that one as well. I think they got to yeah. give the guy one. He should have won. Yeah. To me, I think it wasn't he nominated. He should have won uh, for La La Land. La La Land, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what I feel too. And I, so I think this is going to be one of those where it's <clears throat> yeah. like we missed you, and this is our we're, we're, our makeup. We're sorry we dissed you the first time. Here you go. Okay, uh, best actress. What do you think? Best actress uh, is going to go to. Um, this is a tough one. I think it's going to go to Lily Gladstone. I'm going to say Carrie Mulligan. I'm going to say Lily Gladstone because they're going to. You know why? Is because they're going to want to. Because Maestro, they're going to want to somehow. <clears throat> Um, uh, support Maestro because they can't give it to the uh, to what's his Bradley face Bradley Cooper Bradley Cooper yeah they're not going to give it to Bradley Cooper so they're going to give yeah. it to her okay uh, just my opinion best okay. actress in a supporting role who do you think Emily Blunt I think it's going to be uh, Divine Joy Randolph cause same old same thing they want to give hold over something okay okay yeah. So yeah. basically, Eric, these nominations to me look so. I, they might go America. I'm, I might change it to America Ferrara in okay. uh, uh, Barbie. They, they they look so. It's um, a toss up. It's a toss up. It's, it's a toss up. <laughs> yeah. Between those two, I'm just saying between those two. But I'm just laughing at myself because I'm like, ah, it's a toss up between those two. But okay, I yeah. Here's a here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. I'm probably not going to watch it. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to watch it either. No, we'll do a recap of who won, you yeah. know, but based Just off the list. Just put the list out after. You yeah. know, that's the other thing, man. We talk about, we were talking about directors and the golden age and all that. Same thing for the Oscars. You know, the golden age of the Oscars passed long ago, and it's yeah. really sad. I remember mm-hmm. back in the day, I mean, there were times that, that we would dress up mm-hmm. and go to a Oscar party, yeah. and everybody was dressed up. You know, it was, yeah. it was kind of a fun thing to do. Did you ever yeah. do anything like that? Did you ever participate in anything like that? Nope. It was kind of a fun thing to do. You would dress up, 
you go to the Oscar party, you know, to a friend's house, and then, yeah. you know, and then, you know, yeah. you pick, you see who would win, you, you pick all the categories and all that, you know, have good food, you guys would laugh, you know, it, it was, it was kind of a fun time, and to me now, it's just a joke, and I don't, I don't understand why they let it get it, this way, how, it, you know. It, it, because it's about, it's about ratings, it's about brown nosing, it's about making political statements, but, I mean, really, the... The, these awards and these nominees, they're so predictable. I mean, you can tell just based on popularity who is going to win. And it's just like, I, Eric, that's all. I mean, it is a popularity contest when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, sure. which has always been. But it's gone from, to me at least, it seems like the Oscars have gone from recognizing the performers who deserve the awards to the performers who get the award, either because the movie is the most popular or the most hyped, like Oppenheimer, I'm not saying mm. Oppenheimer doesn't deserve to win. I haven't seen it yet. All oh, I'm we didn't even go through best directors. I mean, we don't right. have to. But we don't I mean, have to. Yeah, but I just think that it's become more of an overhyped popularity contest. It's about who wins based on a popular the popularity of the film and yeah. the money it makes, rather than the person who actually deserves the award. Well, I would also say too, you know, it's it's become a a political pulpit, that and too. I think that's the other thing. You yes. know, people that are at home watching don't want. It's the same thing that I go back and I we've talked about this off off air with sports yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But it's the same thing that I don't enjoy watching that stuff because you know I don't want to be preached to. I want to sit down yeah. and just enjoy it. You know, get your award, thank your friends, thank your family. You know, thank everyone and then go. Don't sit here and try to tell me how to live my life and give me some kind of, you know, statement that I need to, you know, it's like, come on. Well, speaking of political statement, Jimmy Kimmel's going to be hosting the Oscars. No way. Yes, way. I may watch that. <laughs> It's because yes. I want to see the crash and burn. Okay. Man. Other than Ricky Gervais, yeah, oh you want to see Jimmy Kimmel. That crash is going to be the most friggin' boring uh, Oscars ever. The guy's not funny. I'm sorry. Hit the button, please. Which one? This one. That one right there. Yeah. <laughs> this yes. is going to be the most. Boy, I should have hit it right when you well, said his name. Actually, I missed the cue. Each of the last seven years, the ratings of the Academy Awards have declined, and I don't mean gradually. Except for the slap. Except for the slap. But that yeah. was after the slap. And then everybody tuned in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's when the ratings skyrocketed. Everybody was colder. Did you right? guys see that on social media? But it, you're right. It just seems like because the Oscars have become so over embellished and so overhyped, the ratings, the the numbers speak for themselves. Everyone else is getting sick and tired of it. We no longer want to watch these guys. These people get up there on stage, get their award, and then say, uh, "I'm going to protest in front of the Israeli embassy because I'm down with Hamas." Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. you know that. I'm just using that as a, as a loose example, folks. Uh, I'm not saying that's what's going. That to would be interesting, though. You know that that could be a cool drinking game for those who are going to watch the Oscars this year. Yeah, a cool drinking game with that. Every time they make some kind of political speech, yeah. uh, maybe you have to take a shot. You know, every time they, some kind of political. A what, shot of what? I don't know. A shot of whatever you want. If you want, you know, pomegranate juice or wine or tequila or. I'm going to take a shot of chocolate milk. <laughs> That's what I'm going to take a shot of. Shot of whatever you want. Right, but, right. But I mean, maybe that would be a cool uh, Oscar game uh, to make it interesting. But yes. uh, but yeah, man, you're right. I mean, it's, it is. It's like, here's the thing is that, you know, yeah. this country really has no royalty for some reason people have i don't know why it just seems ingrained in our dna that that we want to have royalty for some reason right so i it you know could be for all those years that people were under the kings and all that stuff right god save the queen yeah so but anyway you know so it's kind of like the uh 
you know, the Oscars and kind of our celebrities are in a way kind of our royalty in a way, right? You they know, are. Because we get to yeah. live a little vicariously. We see all the glamorous dresses and yep. tuxes and, you know, they're having such fun and the this and that. The red carpet treatment, they pull up in their limos. Exactly, and, the red yeah. carpet and yeah. everything seems so glamorous. Um, and so, you know, we kind of have a little bit of fun and a little bit of escapism there. And yeah. but, the, but that's what it did. It turned into this, you know, now yeah. political preaching thing. And it's not that fun anymore. Yeah. And I think that's where they lost it. You know what I like to do in the week leading up to the Oscars? Hmm. I like to pick out some of my favorite Oscar winning films and watch them just to remind me of movies that actually oh, deserved good, Academy yeah. Awards. So, for example, I'll just, um, I'll watch like, uh, well, last year in the week leading up to the Oscars, I remember watching Rocky. I remember watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm. another great Jack Nicholson film called Chinatown. Oh, one of the yeah. best written screenplays uh, of Roman all time. Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski. I also remember watching... Um, Who was in that? Was that, that's not, that wasn't Faye Dunaway, right? No, that was... She was in it. Uh, oh, Faye Dunaway. That, it was Faye Dunaway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she played uh, Evelyn Mulraney in that's that right, movie. That's right, yeah. I also remember watching um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Ooh. and then one of my other favorite classics, The Sting. So yeah, I like to wow. watch, that's kind of my Oscar thing, is watching movies that won Oscars from years past and just reminding myself, hey, these are what really good quality movies are like. You know, I, I think this year I'm going to, that's a good That's a good advice. I think this year I'm going to try that. Yeah. But I'm going to watch uh, one of the movies that I'm very upset did not get nominated yeah. for the Oscars this year mm-hmm. in honor of of oscar uh yeah. a week or or oscar yeah. night or whatever yeah. Yeah. um it is called trash cans of terror and oh, i'm very upset yes we need to have a watch party <laughs> just for trash cans of t- just for trash cans of terror if you guys have not seen that you got to look that trailer up trash cans of terror on cinematic YouTube. brilliance it's, it's a cinematic brilliance. cinematic brilliance. We, we talked about on a previous show just yes. look for it in the description trash cans of terror um, no, nah, I'm teasing. I'm if teasing. It but doesn't win at least a Razzie Award. Someone needs to be <laughs> spoken to. Yes. But no, but you're right. I, you know that that really is. But I, I'm I'm making fun. But you know, seriously, that that is actually a good idea. You know, to go back and look through some Oscar films um, yeah. on Oscar night and, and screw watching the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. And I, I don't really stick to one genre or one particular type of director. I just, you know, pluck out movies from my own collection or if there are mm. some that are available. To, well, actually, by the way, Netflix has some really good movies available to stream right now. Chinatown's wow. available to stream. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is available. So The Sting is available to stream. Get them while you can. Get them while it's, you can. It's yeah. crazy because I'll go back and I'll look. I'll, oh, that movie was there. And I go back yeah. and it's gone. And then, right. it, and then they want you to rent it or buy it. I'm like, right. oh, come on. I'm paying exactly. how much for these streaming services? So, yeah, you got to get – go back to hard media, folks. I'm telling you. Yeah, right. Get, go back to Blu-ray and DVD. Go, trust exactly, me. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just the 3Ds, you know, the 3D, no. but <laughs> Well, that's only because your 3D TV pooped out on you. I man. know. I still have it. As a matter of fact, it's still here in the room in, in the, we're, the, that we're podcasting in right now. I'm hoping there's a miracle. I'm hoping oh, okay. I can bring it back to life somehow. So – so I'm what, afraid to, to to junk it in the electronics uh, bin there. In electronic recycling. Huh? Yes, in electronic recycling. So if, if it cannot be salvaged, what are you going to do with all I'm of those three D Blu-rays? I'm going to have to get rid. Of, well, no, I'll tell you this: the three D movies, it's okay because they they play fine on. They're all yeah. Blu-ray. Okay. So they have the standard version. Oh, good. So okay, it's not good, like good. I'm stuck with just just a three D. Yeah, but you purchased them for the three D factor, though, right? I did. I okay. did, and I'm okay. hoping that somebody out there will come up with a technology that can mm-hmm. translate that three D. Uh, whatever it is, encoding to a standard TV, modern new TV, or if I have to even get a special box to do it, and then I can put it on a regular TV. Because that was a problem, right? These 3D TVs were made with special software. Yeah. 
uh, or hardware that yeah. they could they could be seen in 3D. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that somehow they can figure that out with the regular TVs. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm still holding out hope, crossing fingers and toes. Remains to um, be seen. Hey, uh, we're going to move on. One last story we want to yeah. get to real quick, though, which is something I ran across. I was kind of excited. Did you know about this? I only found out about this when you mentioned When I posted it? it? When you posted it, yeah. Henry Cavill confirms mm-hmm. Highlander role. Whoa. Are you kidding me? This is from MovieWeb. Whoa. I was, I'm ecstatic about this. Whoa. Now, Highlander, if you guys don't know, Highlander is a movie. It was kind of like an independent movie, I think, back in the day. Um, it was made with Christopher Lambert was in the starring role. Uh, yeah. He played Connor McCloud. The idea, and actually one of our, our guys that were uh, in our last, uh, I think it was our last podcast or the podcast yeah. previous, uh, two podcasts previous, I mean, yeah. where we talked about guys that are real good at playing bad guys. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. One of the bad guys from Highlander was on that list. I can't, what was his name? The actor's name? I can't think of him. He played in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, are you thinking of... Um, oh, what was he? He was the officer oh, Clan- in Oh, Clancy Brown. Yeah, Clancy, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Thank Clancy you. Clancy Brown, you're welcome. So um, anyway, um, but Highlander, so it starred Christopher Lambert, had Clancy Brown in it as a bad Sean guy. Sean Connery was in it. Sean Connery was in it, and, it, yeah. and basically the premise is obviously that uh, there's these uh, special... I don't know if they're gods. I don't know what they're actually called, but basically there's these special people on Earth that the only way they can be killed is to be beheaded. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that... I think it's the gods put them on Earth and to watch them was kind of like a game. Um, but they would get all the knowledge and power and everything. So they would receive everything from the person they killed and then yeah. from all the people yeah. that, they, that 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 person had killed. So they receive all this power and glory and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they would have to... They would have to kind of it was like a combat gladiator style, right? They have to fight yeah. each other. I'm I'm not doing a great job explaining this plot, but anyway, no, you're good. You're good. It's, it's, it was pretty cool back then, and this was an independent movie. I loved it. It had a t- spawned off on a TV series, yeah. The Highlander. Yeah, it, this movie was kind of like uh, Escape from New York, and that it really became kind of a. Uh, it was a cult classic. It was a cult classic. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't very popular when it hit the big screen. It kind of bombed, to be honest with you. But then when it was released to video, more people rented it and watched it, and that's where it became a cult classic, and uh, it's remained that way ever since. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Henry Cavill has, uh, he says, speaking with Collider here, he declared that the training, he's, he started his sword training okay. for this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, he wouldn't let any details out. But apparently, it sounds like he's like it's a reboot of the original movie. I'm kind of you know, and this reboot I'm okay with. What do you, are you okay with this reboot, or would you like? Yeah, I'd rather see them do this, but in a different way. Um, you know, I'm okay with this reboot just simply because um, it's going to be a fresh take on it. I yeah. think you know, and, and Cavill. I mean, from the outside looking in, you wouldn't think Cavill would be a good Connor McCloud. But yet, when you look at, I mean, just... Well, he played the Witcher in that, that to He me, was though. Witcher, yeah. So from that standpoint, I mean, I guess, you know, from a physicality standpoint, he would be a good Connor McCloud. I think he would, because and... the, the character, at least the character, the way it was pervade, portrayed, was kind of almost kind of an introvert, just a basic yeah. kind of guy. He didn't, never ask to be put in that position. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the whole idea is that this guy has been kind of hiding yeah. throughout the centuries. And these guys that are fighting yeah, are like yeah. centuries old, some of them that have made it, mm-hmm. you know, to try to hit, to try to uh, uh, find the other uh, high or not Highlanders, but find the other special people. I don't know what they're called. They're not called Highlanders because Highlander is a Scottish term, right? It, it is. He, Highland, he was. Yeah. A, he was. Uh, that's where he originally came from. Yeah, exactly. And this, so, which brings me to my next point: If Henry Cavill is not wearing a kilt in this ah! movie, I will not see it because Connor McCloud wore a kilt in the original <laughs> film. <laughs> 
He probably will because if if it starts off in the in the back in the you know the the hills of the Highland, I don't know right. what, what do they call them. I don't know the Scottish Hills, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, but anyway, now now Sean Connery's role in that movie, I forgot. He was the uh, the he main was a Spanish. Anti- he was he was an antagonist. He was the guy hunting down McLeod, wasn't he? Well, he no. You know what he did is he kind of befriended him and he trained him. I don't there think we go. He, that's it. Yeah, I, I think sorry. he was kind of one of those guys, you know, because you not don't have everybody that's after all this power and stuff. But yeah. it's almost like there's some guys that are kind of that are after it and some guys who are just fighting to survive they don't want it but they end up you know winning and and uh you know beheading the guy that's after them and then getting getting all those you know and surviving getting all those powers right exactly so yeah so i think uh so with with i think it was almost like sean was kind of he he knew that connor wasn't a uh uh, i can't remember uh um uh his character's name though what was his character's name do you remember offhand well, let me pull up the cast Okay, list man, he's here. gonna pull up cast. Anyway, I don't know. We're we're going way too long on this. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it says as he discovers. Uh, oh, they're immortal warriors. So here, let me give you guys this because this I know I kind of screwed up this whole plot thing. It says uh, it's saying in this article, Highlander. So talking about this movie is expected to follow a similar plot of the 1986. That's when it came out original, which follows swordsman Connor McLeod which back then was played by Christopher Lambert, as I said, yeah. as he discovers that he is one of a number of immortal warriors who can only be uh, killed by beheading. Mm-hmm. And then after living a somewhat peaceful existence for centuries, several centuries, McLeod settles in New York and is soon dragged back into the battlefield, into the conflict, and one of his greatest enemies returns to kill him. Yep. So what happened is I remember Sean Connery's character was kind of trained. Juan Sanchez. Oh, Juan Sanchez. That's right. You play like yes. the Spanish ca- character. Yep. Um, he was great in that. What he, he what he was kind of doing was kind of training Connor, and I don't know, maybe I don't know, I don't remember exactly why he was doing that, but he was kind of training him, kind of befriended him. Sure. And then uh, um, he ends up, you know, his character ends up getting uh, well. Anyway, I'm, I won't spoil it for you out there if you guys want to watch it. I think you should go back and watch the original. Yep. It is. It is. A, in a, you know, it, it is kind of an independent. Independent ish movie and it was made in the 80s and it was in 86 yeah. um but it re- it kind of is a, it definitely is a cult classic yeah. and then i yeah. am i'm getting back to the story we were talking about i'm super stoked though that cavill probably losing the witcher was the best thing to happen to him right i he, i think cavill in all honesty i know he's played superman and that guy is really a good actor though he is he's solid. i mean when i saw him in uh which one was it mission uh, impossible the mission impossible was it wasn't uh, not Dead Reckoning. What's the... Uh, not Dead Reckoning. You're thinking of Fallout. Fallout, yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn, he played a great role in that. Yeah, he did. And he also was um, He was also really good in the remake of uh, The Man from Uncle. Mm. He was in that one with Army Hammer. And um, I forgot who else was in it, too. But uh, yeah, and he's also, I mean, been rumored to be the next James Bond. So he's... I thought, I thought he wasn't going to, though. Well, I've been reading a lot of back and forth where he either isn't, but now he is. Well, he isn't, but now he is, and apparently he's still in the casting I, pool. I thought I heard so. that James Bond was supposed to be a woman now. Well, that was like five years ago, wasn't that, it? No, I, I think know. it was. No, it was when we were doing the show. I don't okay, know. Okay, I don't. I don't remember. Gosh darn it! I, that would be cool. I mean, he. I, I heard he would be a good fit, but yeah. But um, he was actually the what happened back then too. Just to kind of bring this up is that Henry Cavill was one of the actors that was in line to be James Bond back okay. before when when Daniel Craig oh, when Daniel took over Craig the franchise. Over. Okay. But the fact is that I think he he was one, he was a little bit too young still, and also I think he was in another project at the okay. time that would have conflicted with it. 
Um, but yes, coming back to them, it would be. But I think they've already kind of said, okay, that's kind of already done. I think they're trying to take the Bond franchise in kind of a different uh down yeah. a different road now, so yeah, they are. So I don't okay. think I don't think that would happen. Oh, all right. I hope what you heard is true because I think you yeah. would make a great Bond as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, I'm excited about this. If he, cool. I mean, he comes out in Highlander, he they, this might be a good you know if this thing's successful and they do it right, yeah, you might get a good two or three movies out of this. We'll have to wait and see. The guy that's directing it is Chad Stahelski, and he did uh, the John Wick movies. So yeah. He knows a oh, little man, s- come on. That, how could you lose with that? Yeah, he knows a little something about making action films. Yeah. So that and hopefully that bodes well for the project, too. Well, I'm excited. Are you excited? I am bloody excited to see a remake of Highlander, <laughs> Eric. And that's the best Scottish accent you're going to get from me, lad. Well, that's pretty dang good. I'm or was that close to Irish? I'm not know. even going to top that. I can't even get, you know, Lucky Charms. That's about all I can do. And that's They're always trying to steal me Lucky Charms, uh, lad. You can do my Lucky Charms. I don't know. Right. Anyway, that's terrible. Okay, we're, we got to get out of here. This is crazy. All right, hey, yes. thanks for uh, listening to the show. If you can, give us, uh, if you can rate the show on your app, please do. Uh, it helps the algorithm. Hopefully you give us uh, as many stars as available on there. Yep. But it definitely does help us out. And thank you guys. Check us out on our social media. On Facebook, Pardon Your Mission, And on Twitter at PTI underscore podcast. And we will see you guys on the next one. On the flip side. God bless. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now I want you to go check out one of the other best podcasts around. It's called the No Focus Radio Hour. It has comedy and insight from the greatest minds in the know. And how do I know? Well, because I'm part of that great show also. So please go check it out. It's available on all your podcasting apps. The No Focus Radio Hour.